Welcome to the Tell Me Something Real podcast. Real people, real stories, real talk. Welcome back, realists. We're happy to be in your ears again, and hello to any new listeners out there. This week, Heather and I will get real about the realness of social media, from our three decades of experience with the highs, the lows, and the weird in-betweens. Thank you again for joining us. Now let's get into it. Okay, well, let's start out this week with an update since we didn't do one last week, and I'm dying to know what you've been doing, Kelly. Well, Heather, I watched this movie called Soul on Disney+. Plus. Have you seen it? I am aware that there is a movie called Soul on Disney+. Plus, and I think my teenager watched it a few weeks ago and bawled, like, yeah. the whole time. And I'm like, what's going on? I, I didn't... I didn't sit and watch it, so I don't know, but it must be very good. Okay, so I I had no interest in watching this movie, Mm -hmm. zero, but I was sort of coerced into watching it, and I thought it was going to be all about jazz. I don't Mm. like jazz, so Mm. I didn't want to see it. It wasn't. It was about, okay, shocker. It was about souls. Oh, nice. It was about your soul and life purpose and whether or not you have a life purpose and like what happens before you come here, like before you're born and you know, what goes on with your soul. It's just, it was what everybody needed right now. I think it was lovely. Um, Well, then I want to watch it because we we should talk about it. It's definitely worth watching. And, um, then I'm also reading this book called An American Marriage by Tayari Jones. I hope that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce her name. And I've actually been reading this book for a few weeks. So I'm really far behind on my 2021 reading challenge already. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an intense book, but it's one of those books where I'm actually wondering what's going on with the people when I'm not reading it. Oh, so nice. Like I can't wait to take a bath tonight and read my book. So is this a fiction book? It is. Okay. And I think it's an Oprah's book club book. Every book that I read, like I'm just reading the book and then I Google it online or it pops up on my Goodreads or something. And then I realize that it's an Oprah book. So (laughs) I'm starting to think that like, I should be paying more attention to the Oprah books because I read them without even knowing that I'm reading them. Wow. So yeah, it's really good though. I, I suggest it, but I still have over a hundred pages left, so I'm not sure how it's going to end and there's a lot going on. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So Heather, what's going on with you this week? Well, first I want to tell you, I finally, after months of searching, found the Gardein soups, right? (gasps) Have you talked about those? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm super excited. So I got chicken noodle, chicken and rice, like a gumbo and then like a steak and vegetable soup. So uh, me and the baby tried the chicken and noodle. She loved it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm pretty excited. So yeah, it took a long time though, to find a store that carried that brand of soup. So. Nice. So actually there's um, another brand too called Upton's. Mm-hmm. Um, they make a lot of fake meat products they have soups coming out in March. And I think those will probably be really good, but those Gardein ones are so good. I actually had the um, gumbo one the other night. A lot of times I will add 
if I have leftover rice from another mm -hmm. meal, I'll add a little bit of the rice to the soups because I'm not really a soup person. I'm more of a soup person. I was about person. to say, Kelly, you ate soup. I, yeah. I was skeptical. So I, I added rice to it and ate it with crackers. Okay. So you really. And I added um, kale. Okay. Um, so it's so, not even soup anymore by the end of the hat. It was a full, a full on meal, but yeah. yeah, it was really, it was really good. And I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but for me, the chicken, the chicken one, actually the broth is so reminiscent to me of how chicken noodle mm -hmm. soup was that I like, it kind of actually upsets my stomach a little bit to eat it. Cause it's too chicken. Like too chickeny. Yeah. I guess for me, it's just right. Cause mm -hmm. it, that's exactly, I want things that taste. I'm not as far removed from eating meat as you are. Yeah. And so I, I still get really taken aback at times by how bad something can be when it's a fake meat product. Um, things that you like, um, like totally can't quite stomach. I tried something recently. I can't remember what it was. And I was like, that's a no for me. Like, really? I want to know what it is because a lot of oh. people will say that to me and it's stuff we have a mutual friend who's constantly trying these um, vegan cheeses and she's like, they're so disgusting. And I'm like, yeah, you're trying like the most net, like the nastiest ones there are. Of course it's disgusting. Yeah. So it's like, I'm very particular, but it's, but yeah, I mean that the chicken noodle soup is just like childhood. Mm -hmm. Like it tastes just like, it's very nostalgic. Yeah. It was really good. And um, I'm pretty excited about the gumbo one. So I definitely will follow your lead and put some rice with it because mm -hmm. gumbo needs rice. Um, it has so rice yeah. in it. It's just, I need a little need more. heartier. Yeah. 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 You need more rice than what they're going to give you. Well, so yeah. Exciting. So that's my food update. Um, I can tell you the one thing I bought a bunch of one time was the corn fish sticks. And Ew. like, they're so bad. They're I, so bad. I the cornfish sticks are awful, but oh you know what's God. really, really, like really good? <laughs> the garden fish yeah. is bomb. Oh my goodness. It's, it's so, so good. I actually had garden crab cakes for dinner last night. Oh, I mean, yeah. but like, <laughs> it's so good. So I'll make mm -hmm. like fish tacos and stuff with them. I mean, they're fine to eat on their own. I just like yeah. put a little lemon juice on them and eat them with homemade tartar sauce, but yeah yeah so but yeah those, I'll, those I'll try corn. to find those mm -hmm. oh my god the corn ones are so bad um I did successfully sneak some corn ground beef substitute into my spaghetti and nobody complained hmm. um you know everybody in my house is used to having meat in mm -hmm. their spaghetti and it definitely didn't have quite the flavor that the ground beef did but everybody ate it and nobody complained and there was even a debate um, between my husband and um, another person in the house about whether that was real or fake meat and wow like, hey, so I will good... tell you I when it comes to corn I only buy the chicken mm -hmm. products well I tried that and then I also have corn uh, Salisbury steak I don't know. It was there. I Fascinating. Bought it. I would totally buy that. I, I, it may or may not be vegan. They're actually like moving more towards it's not vegan. vegan. Okay. It's yeah, not it's vegan. It says on the back, it. It's not vegan. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but yesterday I had the tofurkey, um, barbecue chicken or barbecue what? something. Anyway, I'd never seen no it before. idea what you're talking about. That sounds Usually it's interesting. Like, and I can't, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's jackfruit, but it's kind of like that jackfruit barbecue stuff you buy, but it tastes way better. I, I don't really like, like it. 
I don't like jackfruit. Like I all. don't either. That's why I'm always like so sad because I kept buying jackfruit things because everybody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then when I saw the tofurkey version of the barbecue, cool. it's like the shredded barbecue mm-hmm. meat stuff. Um, and then of course I put more barbecue sauce on of it course. and made some coleslaw. Nice. Um, okay. I, you, that is solid because like any barbecue sandwich. Now I never ate coleslaw in my life prior mm-hmm. to going like full on vegan. But yeah. now if I eat like a barbecue sandwich, I will totally make coleslaw and I'll put pickles on it. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so good. That was smart. Yeah, good. it was really good. I'll probably have that again today because I have some left over. But yeah, so super good. So I would say the tofurkey barbecue meat substitute is on point. Mm. Um, and then for the coleslaw, I just used some of the veganaise and a little apple cider vinegar and salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. And that was That's all you need. Yeah. Um, and I didn't measure anything or do anything. I used to have like a whole coleslaw recipe when we owned the restaurant and it was like, had to be perfect, but, uh, I just want to throw this together really quick. Anyway, it was awesome. Love it. So that's what's been going on with me with food. And then, um, I got a new, um, binge worthy show that I'm super into. And I know this is one that's been out for a while. My husband actually had already watched it, but, um, I tried to start it a while back and just couldn't get into it. Uh, so I tried it again and now I'm obsessed. So it's Ozark on netflix I, oh. it's got jason bateman in it uh-huh. who i remember loving from the 80s of course um and uh yeah so so really this show because you know how netflix kind of takes other plots and then regurgitates them into like a different format only netflix new... does that well netflix does <laughs> it blatantly does. Yeah, it's it's so blatant with Netflix. Um, I haven't noticed, but I mean, I also don't watch a lot of popular TV. Mm-hmm. So this to me, from episode one, I would say they took Weeds and Breaking Bad and Dexter and rolled it into one show. And I can't explain so that's to you. probably why I can't get into it because <laughs> I've heard everyone and their mother talk about this show. Mm-hmm. I tried really hard because I love Jason Bateman. Yeah. I found it to be snoozeworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the first time I, I watched it, I was like, this sucks. I hate it. I don't care. And then last week, I, I guess I was in the right frame of mind to start a new show and just wanted to hide under the covers all day and do something that took no energy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the greatest show ever made. And, and like with so many shows, I lose interest in it usually after the first few seasons. But anyway, I just started season three and it still got my attention. I, I started it because I see that a new season is coming out, I think this summer, which means my husband's going to want to watch it. And I figure, well, if I've watched the first three seasons, then at least I won't be annoyed when he's watching season four and I can... Mm-hmm either pay attention or just half pay attention depending on how much interest I still have in it um by season three but anyway I'm enjoying it I think I've just run out of anything else possible to watch on television so that could be contributing um and also there's a new season of RuPaul's Drag Race out which is 
everything in my life right now. Oh my God. I wait all, all week for Friday to happen so that I can see RuPaul's Drag Race. That's incredible. And, and then everything's okay again. Okay. So I've been watching a little bit of Catfish this week, which I haven't watched in a while. Love Catfish. I love this show too. Like I love it so much. And it's just like, it still boggles my mind that in today's society, people are talking to people for years online and still haven't Googled them. Like still haven't looked up their photos still haven't done any research i mean if nothing else like the first thing i do when i meet someone is like do my research Mm -hmm. so this is just shocking to me yeah that said this is the perfect segue into our topic for this week which Mm -hmm. is social media yeah the good the bad and the ugly (laughs) well social media has been a hot button topic certainly this week in the news um, in the realm of like censorship and things Mm -hmm. like that. And yeah. And so I thought it'd be really fun, fun. I don't know if it's going to be fun. (laughs) It'll be interesting. (laughs) Maybe we'll get canceled. (laughs) (laughs) All of our sponsors will drop us immediately. Many, many sponsors. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Oh, I look forward to the day. Yeah. That we can no longer social media. All right. Yeah, I do too. And I'm wondering, just to kind of go into the future, Mm -hmm. I wonder if there will be a time where social media will run its course and people will be tired of it. Oh my gosh. I just had such a a calming sense (laughs) of peace run through my body when you said that. It's like, yes, all of my fears and doubts and anger and frustration just melted away at the the thought of, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and that is something worth thinking about because I do know that what we're doing right now, especially with kids, um, but sticking everybody in front of a computer or a device 24 seven is a big, huge social experiment. We have no idea what that's going to do to people. We have no idea what that's going to do to us um, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically. Um, And so it will be interesting as things do cycle about, you know, like Mm -hmm. now everyone's wearing eighties clothes. When we were younger, we were wearing sixties clothes or, you know, whatever. Will there come a time when it's cool to just play with tinker toys and Legos and not tablets and phones. I, I, I look so. forward to that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <clears throat> so I was reminiscing this week as I was thinking about social media, as I do, mm-hmm. about how this all began. And, uh, which I think to me was about 25 years ago is my first memories of communicating with people through a computer okay. um, that you weren't sitting, you know, in a room with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the first program that I ever used to communicate over the internet was Prodigy. So Prodigy sounds familiar to me, but I genuinely have no recollection of using it. I just know the name. Mm-hmm slightly remember it we're not talking mm-hmm. about the fire starter 
Mm. on people. No, um, no. The internet. I do. I do have a recollection. <laughs> Again, I remember. I the name is familiar, but I I do want to make sure also that I'm, you know, putting the the correct dots together in my old brain. Yeah. Um, so well, yeah, my I don't. Friend, what was Prodigy? You talked on there like AOL. I really kind of can't like, remember. It was like the the very first form of chatting. So you could connect with people you didn't know, and I don't. And I and I guess it just you know it was very basic. But my friend's dad had a computer. They had money, and and so he had Prodigy. So we would go over, and you would send a message to somebody that you mm -hmm. found, and then you would wait weeks. <laughs> and someone would send you back a message. So it's sort of like a precursor to email, but you were messaging people you didn't know. So it which was is, like letters, like writing yeah, letters. Yeah, like sending letters, but on a computer. Wow. And so at that time, that was very revolutionary hmm. um, for us. And then it kind of progressed from there. I then remember going over to that same friend's house later and AOL chat being a thing and us sitting there and chatting with people we didn't know. For I remember hours. chatting with you using AOL mm -hmm. like late at night, getting in like chat rooms and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I, doing that. AOL was incredible. Mm -hmm. um, it was everything. It was amazing to me. So having, so aim chat, mm -hmm. yes. so being able to it's the simplest things, but just being mm -hmm. able to leave up a little away message. Yes. Oh my goodness. That was my favorite thing because then I could put whatever song lyrics up that I wanted to and express myself in that way. Yeah. Which is and very important at 15, 16. So important. And then like getting the little, you've got mail, mm -hmm. the little ping. Yes. Man, it was so great. You know, the thing of it though, and I, I think that for me, the most exciting part was being able to talk to people from other places, mm -hmm. because especially at that point, I already knew that I wanted to br to bust out of yeah. the state that I lived in as soon as humanly possible. So the idea that I could talk to people in other states or other countries, and then like being a night owl, staying up all night, and I could talk to people who were, you know, it was morning time in other countries. It was so exciting to me, mm -hmm. but looking back on it, I'm really thankful, grateful, shocked, and amazed that I wasn't like raped, mugged, and murdered. Mm -hmm. um, I can't believe I didn't get disappeared because like, I, there's a lot of up? scary stuff going online. Did you ever meet up with people that you met Yes. online? I many, did too. Many yeah. of them. Not only did I meet up with them, but like at night, um, mm -hmm. got in cars with them mm -hmm. um, in other states. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't yeah. even know that. Basically begging to get like, to yeah. get disappeared. No, no. I totally internet dated in my teen years. Oh, I didn't do that. On AOL. Yeah. No, I, I dated a couple of guys. Um, that I met on AOL chat rooms. No, mine was all my area. Like, oh, wow. Mine actually, I did do that, but not, in, oh, but oh, that's a bad story. I shouldn't tell that story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I could, this is a good time for a confession. No, so I gotta tell the story now. In college, 
and then I'll tell you all about how most of my internet shenanigans were going to concerts and meeting up with people who liked band, you know, the bands that I liked and okay. then meeting them in other States. Um, and I met cool people anyway, wow. in college, I was talking to this dude on mm -hmm. the internet on AOL. Mm-hmm. No clue how I found this dude, but probably in a chat room. Yeah. And we were going to meet up at this local bar. We knew all the same people. It was kind of shocking to me that, that we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine and myself, we uh, went to this bar to meet this guy. Totally saw the guy. Totally pretended I wasn't me. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and have felt horrible about and then totally ghosted him. What? And this guy was super nice, super Aww. nice. Like we had tons in common. Um, I just was really superficial and um, not interested. Um, maybe I didn't like the way he looked. I don't know why. I mean, he seemed kind. I could tell just from across the bar that he seemed kind. Well. Wow. But that's so anyway, sad, so Kelly. that's, um, that poor guy might've gone through the rest of his life, like never having a fulfilling relationship. I actually feel got. really bad that I did that because it's such a horrible feeling and it wasn't even, maybe I was nervous. I don't think I was nervous. No, it mm -hmm. was totally, I, I saw him and wasn't interested, but that's so sad. It just, it sucked because afterwards, I kind of missed talking to him because he was a cool guy and we had a lot in common. I just didn't want to, I wasn't romantically interested. Yeah. I wasn't attracted to him at all in any way, yeah. physically. Now, of course, that's really superficial and, you know, I would never do something like that. But at the time, yeah, that's my, sure. that's my biggest social, social media confession, Aww. AOL confession. Nice. Those could be like taxi cab confessions. We'll have a show called oh, AOL Lord. Confessions. <laughs> we're going to talk about their embarrassing chat experiences from the 90s. Wow. And yeah. the 2000s. <clears throat> but yeah, I dated this guy for a little while that I met. He was like, I was a rave kid and he was a punk. And yes. I don't know, like, and those two worlds don't maybe come together quite no, right. That's fascinating, though. Those two worlds don't mesh at all. Just so FYI, I, I, but that's really cool. I went to a punk show with him where they did like the mosh pit thing and everyone was doing the angry dancing and hitting each other. And cool. I was scared. Sounds um, great. And I ended up running into um, a friend that I went to elementary school with who was also in the punk scene, um, which was crazy. So anyway, yeah, I, but I, I did date a few people and then I got out of it because none of those things really went anywhere. And then I think I started dating people I met in actual real life. But yeah, so that was, that was the beginning of it all for me. And um, I didn't even know that about you that you were meeting up with people in other states. At totally like I met so many people because I mean, there was a time in college where because when I was in college, I wasn't actually, I only had a few acquaintances at school. Most of my mm -hmm. friends were people I either already knew from, mm -hmm. you know, life or people that I met online that were into the same bands that I was in. And I, there were a couple of bands that I was like following around mm -hmm. and 
I had like a group of people that I had met online on message boards for the bands Mm -hmm. or whatever. And we would meet at all these shows and like stay in hotels together. And like, it was super rad, but I, you know, not exactly safe. I know when you think about the way things are now, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you would never, but in the, and back then I think it was all still so new that it hadn't been super infiltrated by Mm -hmm. people that want to do you harm. Exactly. It felt like, I mean, all of the people I met to my knowledge to this day were genuine, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, obviously I didn't get disappeared. You know, nothing bad yeah. happened to me when I was doing these things and everyone seemed really cool. And I met some really, I met interesting people who were all in it seemingly for the same reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I would get into people's cars. I totally was, you know, a female by myself staying in hotels with strangers, not like in the same room. I was staying by myself, which is maybe even scarier, but you know, um, I was young. I mean, I don't even think I was old enough to drink yet. Like I was super young. That's so crazy. Yeah. I had no idea that you'd done all that. I still remember my first AOL handle. (laughs) Um, It was Aphrodite, but spelled like Afro- a F R O Aphrodite. I remember the- this. Mine was <laughs> the- Crucify 80. I don't remember that at all. It was of course from I don't remember Amazon. a lot. Oh, nice. Crucify. Mm-hmm. And then I became um, herself the elf. Which yeah, is I remember this. A, I remember uh, a, a children's book called Herself the Elf. And that one was my handle for many, many years I think actually all the way up until I became in a point in my life where I needed like a professional email not herself to elf at aol.com right you know when I when I started dating my husband he was still using an aol email what I thought I only had... like 80 year olds did that <laughs> I, after I quit laughing when he first told me which took a long time for me to quit laughing I was like you've got to um you know, upgrade that to a a current. No one's actually using AOL. And then I think they got hacked or something. Anyway, he finally did come into the millennium and get like a normal email. But yeah, I was like, who is using AOL? I would die. I mean, lots of people do. I know because I've, I have worked at places where we needed people's email addresses and they always give the AOL address. Yeah. Um, which I think is a lot of people still have as their like junk mail, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but you know, I don't do that. I delete my emails as soon as, mm-hmm. as I can, which is really upsetting because I remember having the coolest AOL chat sessions with people and printing them off sometimes what? and like saving them. And I don't have any of that stuff anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, I would, if it was like with a boy I liked or like a famous uh-huh. person or, cause that was like back in the day when like celebrities would all the time have, mm-hmm. you know, email you or like be on their message boards or, you know, whatever, like yeah. bands and actors and, you know, things like that. And it wasn't uncommon at all because it was new and interesting for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, for sure. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So then moving forward, I think my next interaction with anything would be in like 2006 when I got a MySpace. Oh, did you account. do Friendster? 
No, I, oh, okay. I actually didn't even know what Friendster was. And I think I heard it the other day for the first time referenced on some show that was trying to be like dated. They were trying mm-hmm. to show that they were in a certain time period. And so they used, they dropped Friendster as their way of doing that. And I'm like, is that a real thing? Yeah, I totally had a Friendster, but I only knew, like I only had one connection on there. Oh, so yeah, I miss Friendster altogether. And when I moved in with a friend of mine, uh, back when my oldest child was just a baby, um, she had MySpace and she was the one that introduced me to it. And my favorite thing about MySpace was that you could choose your own background music. Yes. Facebook. My favorite part too, I choosing you your to own get background up. music. Yes. And, and making also your having own backgrounds. The, you also could have the little like bio, th- you know, the little, mm-hmm. um, like I would always have song lyrics as my little yeah. thing that was next to my photo. And then you could use like the backgrounds. Oh, mm-hmm. it was like so great to be able to change your mood and then like completely change your page and then change your yeah. like top five, eight or top six or who, you know, however tops you had. If you yeah, were mad yeah. at someone, you could kick them out of your oh, top yeah, list. Yeah. It was the best. But I really appreciated the way that MySpace was set up. I still, to this day, am devastated that Facebook became sort of the, the main mm-hmm. social media. I always thought Facebook was lame. Mm-hmm. And MySpace was far superior because of your ability to control and make your own world. Like you would mm-hmm. go to someone's page and you could like, you were in their world. Yep. You know, they had colors and themes and pictures. And, and I love that you had a page. Like people actually yeah. said, it was like they left you little notes on your page. And it wasn't just all this, Facebook is so jumbled. It's just like yeah. a bunch, a jumbled mess. You know, and it's just like this just running tab of, you know, what everybody's doing. And I never cared about what everybody was doing. I cared about what I was doing, like you said, in my own little world on there. That's what it was Mm -hmm. meant to be. And that's what MySpace was. Yeah. And I became like the um, background creator for all of my friends and family. Like people loved my my MySpace design so much that they would ask me to design their pages. So almost everybody's page that was like in my close circle, I had created for them. Um, And I loved that you could go in and do like the HTML you know, where mm-hmm. you actually created the web page. I thought it had practical skills. Like if you were actually going to create a web page, this was sort of, you know, a basic format of doing that where it was kind of already set up and designed for you. So you just plugged things in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, MySpace just made me so happy and um, everything about it. I'm just devastated. I went through a phase where I, thought that um, my ex was hacking into all of my social medias. So I created new obscure email addresses and passwords for all of my MySpace accounts and then immediately forgot them. So I've been locked out of my MySpace account for many, many years now. So I want to tell you that I logged into MySpace today. What? Knowing that we were going to talk about this on the podcast. Now here's the, here's the issue. I got rid of my old MySpace ages ago, Mm -hmm. ages ago, which again is just, I deeply regret it. Um, just because it's, it's a snapshot of history. And like, I, you know, I had photos and stuff on there that I probably wouldn't have access to otherwise. Yeah. Um, so when I, and then at some point, because I feel like at some point after Facebook was around, 
everyone got really upset about Facebook and wanted MySpace to come back. And there was a MySpace reboot for a minute. So yeah. I went back and made a new MySpace account or like got back into my old one or something, but you know, had deleted everything. So when I logged in today, there was one photo on there and it was like of a, an animal or something. Um, wow. And it didn't have any connections. And I mean, MySpace is just, now it's some weird music platform that I don't understand and, you yeah. know, whatever, it's completely worthless. I was kind of hoping that I would get on there and then I would, you know, that it would be cool. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it was just yeah. sad. So I had sad. a MySpace music account as well. So I had my personal account and then my MySpace music account um, where I have like my earliest recordings that I did when I moved to Oregon. Um, certainly not things that I recorded as a teenager because I did write mm -hmm. some music as a teenager, um, which I'm actually trying to just side note. I'm trying to remember the very first song that I ever wrote. It was called After the Rain. It was a like country bluegrass song. It. And I've been really, I don't hard. remember the lyrics though. I just remember the lyrics. I can the remember song. the chorus. So I'm thinking I might just end up rewriting the, um, the, 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 um, verses. Thank you. Versus. Wow. This is exciting. Um, so Big um, news today on tell me something real <laughs> podcasts, but, um, Heather's but country yeah. classic. That's right. That's right. I, it, I think it's a classic song. It's actually a good song for a 14 year old in their very first attempt at writing a song. And if you can work in a B minor seven chord to your first song, I say you're doing great. Um, I never have any use for that song. In fact, I had to start playing that song again, just so I have a use for the chord B minor seven, because that's the only song I know that, that actually I uses support it. support this wholeheartedly. I can't okay. wait for the single. <laughs> Yes. So, um, so yeah, I recorded songs and it was MySpace. The, it was called Heathers or the Heathers. So anyway, uh, but yeah, when I first moved to Oregon and I got, a, a an electric keyboard, I did a lot of recording music back then. And so I had a music MySpace and so maybe it still exists. Maybe not. I don't know, but I was really pretty proud of some of that stuff I did. Wow, then. nice. Maybe I should get on my page and look for it. You know, I just tried to do a search for it and I That's another thing. It's not know. All right, look. This <laughs> completely contradicts everything that I'm going to say about social media. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say it anyway because it's real. Everything's too private now. Why mm -hmm. have social media if you can't stalk everyone you've ever known and like people you don't even know? And like, so when I was on MySpace today, I couldn't even find anyone because everything was so private. And I'm yeah. like, I don't, so what's the point of it then? Like, I just don't, I don't really get it. But anyway, drop that and don't listen anymore about that because I, I'm all about internet privacy when it comes yeah. to social media for the most part. But that said, the only, th the thing that was fun about social media before it got scary and crazy was that you could look up the guy you liked or look mm -hmm. up, you know, like one of your friends from school or like, you know, whoever, yeah. your neighbor, you know, and just figure out like who they are and what's going on with them and what kind of music do they like, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. do when you're 
teenagers stalking people. But like, I'm now it's just too serious. You know, yeah. it's all too serious. And I'm, I don't really understand the point of it, of social networking thing that's serious because you don't actually have any privacy on there, but everyone yeah. wants to be super private. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just go back to email, just email and text your friends. You know, yeah. why are you using an internet page to associate with people mm-hmm. if you don't want it to be out in the world? You are out in the world. You're putting yourself out there by doing that. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, so it's crazy. Here's the dichotomy of that. I missed the stalking days. Slash. And I still stalk Why? people on Facebook. Uh, yeah. I work, you know, in criminal law and I always look up people's mugshots mm-hmm. and then their, their Facebook profiles. Yeah. And it's amazing to me, amazing to me, how many people still put everything public mm-hmm. their breakups with their partners long venting sessions about their mm-hmm. family members crazy conspiracy theories that would you know make them look like extremists and psychopaths all just out there for people to see and um yep. it well, really blows my mind the thing about that is i feel that if you are one of those people who's putting all of your information out there, it means you basically want people to look at your information. Yeah, You want people to be seeking you out and looking up your stuff. So I feel like that's all fair game. You know, mm-hmm. you can't complain about privacy if you're do, putting every single thing that you do yeah. on a public social media page, mm-hmm. you know? Um, And I mean, I understand there are differences. Like some people have to do it for work. Some people do it because they're on a podcast or they're on a, you know, TV show or, you know, whatever. So it's like you have your, your private life and then you have your semi-private life that you have on your podcast or your radio show or whatever. And then you're, you know, a little bit less private on the media. And then, you know, I mean, I get that there are layers Mm -hmm. and everything contains multitudes, but if you are legit just putting it all out there then expect it to be expect everyone to look at it yeah I mean I assume that's what you're going for yeah it just blows my mind though again the things that people will put out I can for me I have a very limited number of things that are in public view on my Facebook page that being said, I have like 350 friends. So I feel like there's 350 people and there's no way I know 350 people well. I'm friends with a lot of our local politicians and representatives and I like to track what they're doing um, and stay engaged with them that way. So that's one purpose Facebook serves for me. But uh, yeah, I feel like 350 people are having access to whatever I do post uh, privately and I'll put that in quotations, uh, is plenty of people seeing what I need to see. Uh, but very rarely I will post That's something so many people. publicly. It's a lot of people. And That's I'm very so thoughtful people. every time I post that those people all potentially see it. Now with the new algorithm, there's probably 20 people really that are seeing my posts. But anybody yeah. can click on my name, who's my friend, and then go see what I've been posting, even if it doesn't come up on there feed and I have friends who I uh, am friends with on Facebook but who I don't follow because I don't want things that they post to come up on my feed and I want to have to make an intentional decision to go look at their page um, 
because maybe they're an overposter and they want to, you know, have a long diatribe about every single thing that happens to them every single day. And those people really can clog up your news feed. So yeah, I'll like unfollow so, them. I mean, I have to, I, I haven't had a Facebook in about four years. Yeah. Um, and I really don't even know the last time I was on Facebook, I hated everything about how it worked. Yeah. Like I didn't like anything about it. Um, so I imagine, and I imagine it's even gotten worse since then. I'm sure that things have shifted mm -hmm. and changed since then. Um, yeah. But it got to a point where, I mean, I was never posting anything because I didn't, there wasn't anything that I was doing that needed to be posted on Facebook, you yeah. know? Um, so it's just, I, I, it's all fascinating to me. And that's the, like, I, um, our podcast has a Twitter. Mm -hmm. Now, I haven't had a Twitter in years, but it did occur to me this year that like I had created one a long time ago for this podcast before this podcast even came out, I think. And yeah. so now I constantly get on Twitter with all of the like political stuff that's going on to, yeah. you know, to read Twitter. But I don't understand what would compel a person to post on Twitter. <laughs> You know, like I don't have a need to say anything necessarily. Now no. I'm, you know, I post about our, our um, episodes and things. Yeah. Well, I occasionally, not anymore, but I used to occasionally like to respond to things that Donald Trump would say. Um, and I would try to do it from a positive mm -hmm. place. Um you know, but, but that was, that's kind of my main. So yeah, I have like no reason to use Twitter at all. Now I went, I don't follow Donald Trump. I didn't follow Donald Trump on Twitter, but uh, I would so, go every day and do a search for him and then look at what he posted. And then sometimes I would respond. Oh, and then dear, sometimes I would screenshot healthy. that response and send <laughs> yeah. it to you because uh -huh. I was so proud of it. <laughs> and I would be like, Heather, what are you doing on Twitter? Get off Twitter. <laughs> You're going to make yourself crazy. And now I'm yeah. like on Twitter all day, every day. <laughs> and so, I mean, I am glad that there are people and, you know, I mean, I follow mostly news people and, yeah. you know, just like, but I am in comedians. I follow a lot mm -hmm. of comedians, meaning our podcast follows a lot of comedians and news people, but yeah. um, I'm, so I'm glad that other people are doing it, but I enjoy it in that way because I don't feel on Twitter, on, on Facebook and Instagram, I feel like everyone's just trying to make up a life that they think that you will want to, to see. Yes. And you know, then there's just like this fictional diatribe and I just mm -hmm. don't care. I don't have time yeah. for it. I'm not interested. It doesn't make me feel good, but Twitter you're limited to a certain amount of words and letters. Yeah. And so it's very concise. So if you're saying stupid things, then, you know, it's very short things that you're saying yeah. um or there's people that just do run on sentences this, yes. you know, and make numerous posts I'm going to tell you I I'm so backwards with with what I thought was going to be good and successful on the internet uh I remember YouTube coming out and thinking that'll never catch on MySpace mm. you could make and upload video clips to MySpace and MySpace already was the social media platform I just didn't understand why YouTube was necessary um and of course I didn't guess that correctly I thought Facebook was worse than MySpace and would die out 
I was totally backwards on that. And I remember when Twitter came out and I got a Twitter account, I literally was like, what is the purpose of this? Mm -hmm. No one will ever use this. It'll never catch on. This will never be a thing. I'm shocked at how big Twitter is right now, you know, and that it's become sort of the center of like almost the political sphere in our country. Okay. So what's interesting to me about Twitter is that I really love Twitter when it first came out. Mm-hmm. I don't know when it first came out. Like we could Google it, but when Twitter first came out, it was my new favorite thing. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I think you were the then, one that got me into using it. Then I hated it. Then I was like, what's the point yeah. of this? I genuinely don't know what the point is. I stopped using it for years. Mm-hmm. And when people would talk about it, it was usually comedians that I was listening to on, on podcasts would talk about their Twitter page or, you know, getting tweeted at by whoever. Um, I just thought it was so weird that people were still using Twitter. I just couldn't yeah. imagine what people were doing on there. And so I don't know if this Twitter, res- if this Twitter thing is a resurgence of the mm-hmm. old popularity of Twitter or if it's been like this the whole time, because it wasn't exciting when I got off Twitter, you know? So I don't know if it's just gotten exciting because of all of the political stuff. Yeah, that's my thinking because my old Twitter, the only thing that stands out to me was Kevin Nealon. He posted like every day, he always posted (laughs) something funny. Um, And that's all, I mean, I I followed him and like a few other comedians. And so it was like a place where you went to see funny things. Yeah. And that's it. So um, I wanted to mention that a big part of what's kept me involved in social media, like Twitter and Facebook has been a business mm-hmm. side of it, an entrepreneurial need for it. And so I started um, a Facebook page and a Twitter account for my massage business. And this is way before you had targeted sponsor ads and things like that Mm -hmm. um, that you could pay for so um so they didn't really serve a lot of purpose but I remember thinking that you know this seems to be where people are shifting towards with business and so I think it's important to have um uh an account and some presence as a business in social media I'll disagree with you um Mm -hmm. okay so presence in social media yes that said, there will be, and I have my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, we have this podcast and, you know, I've like sold art before. I, there is nothing that will ever make me get back on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And I don't think it's necessary. And I will tell you too, that if I am looking up a business, because I am one of those annoying people who will Google a restaurant before I go there because I don't like to, now I haven't been to a restaurant a year, you know? Sure. Um, <clears throat> but I don't like wasting my money. So I want to mm-hmm. see what the food looks like. I yeah. want to see what the menu is. I want to make sure they have something that I can eat before I'm mm-hmm. going to invest in going to a restaurant. So if I look up a place and they only have a Facebook page, I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. Like I will just not even go. I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. because I, to me, that's just the lowest of the low. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And well, I feel like it's free and it takes no but websites are free. It's free to have a website. Wait, it's free, but there's an and it's free and it takes no effort. That's it. It takes so, no effort. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel like you need to invest a little bit more. Um, and I'm not saying that every, it's just, if you have a, a restaurant, yeah, you need to have people want to see your menu. They want to see photos of your place. They want to see stuff like that. And so you need to have a website. You just and need I don't wanna, to. I don't want to dig through your photo album yeah. or your timeline All to your find posts. your menu. Right. Yeah. So I agree with you 100%. And so when I say I had a Facebook for my massage business, I definitely had a website and I, mm -hmm. I had a website I put a lot of effort into. The Facebook page was more just to try to help steer people to the website. And then I used it to offer specials for like Mother's Day and things like that. And then I could share it from my personal page as well. Um, but yeah, I agree. Um, businesses need to have real websites. The one thing that I will say it has been useful for my, so I, I breed dogs Mm -hmm. And my dog breeding website crashed uh, uh, maybe a year or so ago when I tried to get a new domain and I just haven't felt like dealing with it, but I've been able to lean pretty much exclusively on the Facebook page, which I think for that type of business, it serves mm -hmm. a good purpose because you want to just kind of see pictures of dogs yeah. and the timeline format kind of works for that because the more yeah. most recent ones are at the top and the older ones are further down. I think um, you have to know your business and your market because I would say too that for restaurants and things or even grocery stores like little local markets I mm -hmm. really appreciate an Instagram page because mm -hmm. it's so easy to update an Instagram page as opposed to updating a website like if you're changing your hours constantly for COVID or you know for weather or whatever's going on or you're changing yeah. your men menu constantly I think something like an Instagram is great for that mm -hmm. um and maybe Facebook is too I'm you know I'm just not on Facebook yeah and I will say that during this pandemic time I have been frequently looking at Facebook to see if businesses are making a post saying like yes we are open or here are the guidelines we're following you know you need to make an appointment some stores require you make an appointment to come in and Facebook's a great place to update people in real time about things that you're you're doing yeah I mean I will say that I think that a lot of the stores or restaurants that I frequent are sort of on my same page with things like Facebook because none of them use their Facebook other than they have a Facebook. Mm -hmm. So it really has been like Instagram that's been like the most up to date for all mm -hmm. of those things, just with the people that I follow. Um, and I hate, I really wish that people who have businesses would understand that you have to update every site that you have because not everyone uses Facebook, not everyone uses yeah. Instagram or goes to a website. So your information needs to be available everywhere. Like I can't tell you how frustrating it is. Like I like to go to the grocery store as early as I possibly can in the mornings because I don't want to be near anyone else. I want it mm -hmm. to be dead in there. Um, and a lot of grocery stores have senior hours. Mm -hmm. So I need to know when your senior hours are. And I can't tell you how many different pages I've had to go through 
like mm-hmm. just to find out when I can go shop at a store, which yeah. is crazy. Like it should be available everywhere, but that's just mm-hmm. a little, you know. And I would say that's of part of the businesses. part of the drawback of so many social media platforms because does this business primarily use Twitter for its mm-hmm. updates or Facebook or Instagram or something else? There's other things I have never even used before. I've never even been on Reddit in my life. Um, but uh, yeah, and it is challenging to as someone who's owned a business to keep all those things updated it'd be nice if there was like a program where you could update it on the program and then it would go through and update all of your accounts with that information but um typically i start by looking at someone's website to see if they've got uh, a blurb about covid protocols Mm -hmm. and if they don't then i'll try to find them on some sort of social media to to see if if they've updated anything because i'm with you i want to know what i'm walking into and right now things are crazy you don't know Mm -hmm. if businesses are open some people never update their google hours even though i know for a fact that if you have a business and you have a google listing that google is going to prompt you all the time to keep your hours updated every time a holiday comes up every time anything oh those holidays that's so frustrating when it's like Mm -hmm. this may be affected by a holiday well look if you work at a grocery store and you have the same holiday hours every year just put them on there i don't want to see these hours may be affected by a holiday tell me how they're affected i think that happens when people don't do a specific update of their Mm -hmm. hours because you are prompted as a business owner, you get an email that says, hey, are your hours going to change? You'll need to update them. So if you go in and actually update them, then I don't think it gives you that message on the listing. I think it shows holiday hours and then mm. the actual holiday hours. Um, nice. So anyway. What a concept. Now, I also, I know, I also wanted to talk about another aspect of this, which is a double-edged sword because it's both what I hate about social media and the only reason also that I continue using Facebook and that is targeted ads. Mm. So I despise targeted ads on my Facebook. Um, Most of them I think are completely inappropriate for anything I would ever want, um, which is weird. So they're not even targeted well for me most of the time. Um, But As someone who's owned and tried to do a lot of different marketing for different businesses, Facebook targeted ads are amazing. So when we owned the restaurant, it was crazy to see how the business could be changed. The amount of clientele you had could be altered by the presence or lack thereof of a targeted Facebook ad. So we could put up an ad and literally know that we were going to be slammed for as long as that ad was up and then we could take it down and then we would just be not busy. Wow. It was crazy. It drove massive amounts of people to our restaurant. And I can't tell you how many times people would come in and be like, well, I keep seeing your ads on Facebook. Cause we would pay to have it like saturate mm-hmm. people's accounts. Like every third post would be our restaurant. And people, yeah, they'd be like, well, I keep seeing the ads. I figured I might as well come down and try it. And I'm like, that blows my mind that you get that we paid 
for you to be saturated by our ad well, and now you're coming in to eat. That's here's the thing though. Like, why would you eat somewhere just because Facebook told you to? I find that incredibly <laughs> beneficial. I'll tell you exactly why. Um, how am I supposed to know that you exist mm -hmm. if I don't, if you're not in my face, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, especially with restaurants, like I am always, well, pre pandemic, I was always looking for somewhere to eat, always mm -hmm. looking for somewhere good to eat. If I go on vacation, the majority of the reason that I'm on that vacation is because I want to try food somewhere, yeah. you know, like mm -hmm. I want to eat food. That is the first thing that I look up when I go to a, a new city, where can I eat? And then I have a huge list of places. So, I mean, if, if I don't have to do the work, it's a lot of research to find places to go eat. I yeah. would much rather that ad be in my face all day, every day. And I would rather you spend that money. You know, I mean, it's much better. There are, there are worse ways to spend money, yeah, you know? No, so it it's just like, it, I think it's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And also it's what the consumer wants, because mm -hmm. as a consumer, I want you to seek me out. I don't want to have to go looking for your food, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. That's the only reason I've stayed on Facebook because the Facebook marketing is to me indisposable. Now I know you have separated yourself from Facebook and mm -hmm. you're very firm that you would never even get back on Facebook um, for marketing purposes. And I think that's great. And I'm really supportive of that, but I feel like now that I've already gone down the rabbit hole with it, mm -hmm. why would I cut off something that has brought me so much business over the years. Right now yeah. I use it primarily for the dog breeding site. I've had a, a dog Facebook now for maybe five years. I've built a huge following now when we have a litter of dogs, there are already tons of people on there who are just waiting for us to say we have a litter and then they message me and are like, hey, uh, I want a dog. And a lot of that comes from doing lots of advertising which brought people over to liking our page and following our page. Um, and maybe they weren't ready for a dog at that moment when we paid for that ad, but later it paid for itself because that person down the road buys a dog and they followed us because they knew that they were going to want a dog in a few years. And they were like, Oh, Hey, it's right here. Um, so I also yeah. just really don't want Mark Zuckerberg to have any more money. I have a real yeah. problem with him. And you know, what's funny is that all of these people are crazy. All of these mm -hmm. people are horrible. They're all like these capitalist punks, but there are just some that get under my skin, you know, and Mark Zuckerberg is one of them. Yeah. Elon Musk is another one. I yeah. used to really enjoy space, but I don't enjoy space if it has anything to do with Elon Musk. Mm. Don't care about electric cars if Elon Musk made them. I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to hear his name. I don't want to see his face, nothing. I, if he made it, I don't want to be any part of it. So, you know, that's also how I feel about Facebook. Like I'm just never going to have any part of that. And I am mm -hmm. on Instagram and I'm fully aware that Instagram is run by Facebook. I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of like you have to pick your battles and Facebook is my battle. Yeah. And again, I support that, but I would never cut myself off from the massive following that I spent money yeah, to achieve that totally makes sense. on, on Facebook. Um, and, and if I, which I, I plan to 
terminate the dog breeding business within the next maybe two or three years. Yeah. And so then maybe, I don't know. The problem is, is that it's also the space that for the people, it's not just mine anymore. It belongs also to people that um, have bought dogs from us and they go Mm. on there and post pictures of their dogs or people, you know, it's, it's not just mine alone so for me to go in and delete it or say I'm not going to use this anymore also takes it away from other people who have put time and posts you know well I mean you've learned how to use it in a way that works for you and that's what's important Mm -hmm. you're playing the game like in a beneficial way to you and I just don't find because I I simultaneously have an Instagram account also for the dog breeding business and I do at times advertise on Instagram as well and I don't get anywhere near the response i'll get like a thousand likes on an advertised post that doesn't result in any new followers on my facebook doesn't result in anyone messaging me about a dog doesn't even result in anyone commenting on the picture anything more than oh cute dog Mm -hmm. so it does not in my experience have the same marketing appeal that Facebook has for me. So um, yeah, so for that reason, I'm gonna have to stick with Facebook. And if I could only have um, a a sales page or a group page without it being linked to a personal page, I would absolutely make that choice. Oh yeah, why do you have to link it? It has to be linked to a real person. Well, I mean, I guess I, okay, that makes sense. (laughs) It makes sense like, you know, for safety issues and, and whatnot. So, so yeah, that's my, my feelings on Facebook. You know, it just to me serves a purpose for, for marketing. I do all of my actual sharing on Instagram, um, like actual pictures Mm -hmm. of things that are personal to me. Um, And I've gone back and forth, whether I'm public or private on Instagram, I'm private again now. Um, but wow. I was public for a while. You were yeah. you were one of those people that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I've ever um, been been public. I mean, I have a food page where I post photos of food, and that's public. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's meant to be public. Like it's the point. Yeah. <laughs> so that people can just be scrolling and look at food and go, mm, "Food, I can make that." Um, but my personal page is is always been private. Yeah, I don't know why I went public for a while other than just to get more followers so I got a bunch of new followers and then I shifted Mm -hmm. it back to being private Um, and I'm not sure what my motivation for that even was because I have lots of other I have lots of Instagram accounts I have one for the dog breeding I have the podcast Mm -hmm. one and then I'm locked into your vegan one too even though I don't post on it anymore so yeah um I I have plenty of public places to post things. But yeah, I mean, I just like, I'm just looking at my Instagram page now. I have like no followers because I mean, I just like, and I could even delete more people on there. I just don't want people following me that I don't know, you yeah. know, or that I don't know, you know, I have a few like comedians or people like that who are following me that I'm fine with. And that doesn't bother me at all. Um, but I just don't want randos following me. And I don't post anything personal. I post photos of my cat and, you know, things out in nature. You know, I post yeah. photos of trees and stuff. Um, I used to post personal things, 
on there mm-hmm. all the time. Um, yeah. And then just decided I didn't really need to do that anymore. So yeah. well, I appreciate I think- it when other people do, because sometimes it's the only photos I see of friends and my friend's kids and things like that. So I appreciate it when people do that. I just don't have anything going on right now that I feel like I need to post on, you know, a social mm-hmm. media platform in that yeah. way. For sure. Yeah, I would say a long time ago, Facebook was more my public social media because I was friend I'm friends with so many people and I would have viewed Instagram as my private my mm-hmm. friends only sure. but then I started getting into following um, like hoop dancers because I got really into hoop dancing and then I started posting like hoop dancing videos and I think that might have been part of the reason I went public because I wanted to get more hoop dancer followers and people that would um, give me feedback on my videos. So maybe that was the reason. But yeah, now it doesn't feel like that at all. Now they both feel very public in the way that I have a lot of connections on there. And there's a lot of people seeing my stuff. And just the fact that we know now that everything you post on there is not your property anymore. That makes me very thoughtful about what I post on there. For example, when my oldest child was a kid, Facebook was sort of like a photo album. Mm-hmm. It was like a, t- it is, it's like a time capsule of his life when he was really young. And that's mm-hmm. another reason that I'm sort of trapped by Facebook. I would need to go in there and download and move literally thousands of pictures. Of wow. My life between 2009 and probably 2015 to have all those pictures saved somewhere. Um, Cause I used Facebook sort of as this holding place of pictures And now I don't do that because I don't want pictures of my children to be owned or kept or saved on some server somewhere and then later used to facially recognize them going through the airport or whatever they're doing with those pictures these days. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the problem with that is that any photo that you take on a device like your phone that ever that's on your phone to start or on a computer is already being saved by someone somewhere which is crazy so i mean you really it's you you have this illusion of privacy but Mm -hmm. there you don't have any privacy in that way at all yeah so i don't know maybe we need to go back to buying cameras regular cameras please you know i have i have so many cameras because i used to love photography so much and Mm -hmm. the only reason that i don't use them i don't have digital cameras i have like actual cameras the reason i don't use them is because where would i like i don't even know if you can buy film i know that it's crazy expensive to get um to get film processed and i don't even Mm -hmm. know where i would do that I have yeah. no idea where that would even happen. And it's not like I have a dark room in my house, you know, so. <laughs> you should just, build a dark room. I think but we should I all, miss that. I think we should all go back to taking pictures and then we should develop them ourselves. And like pictures we can't just like fake, you know, back when mm-hmm. you used to actually have to take good photos, you couldn't just process it a million different ways with a bunch of different apps and, yeah, you know, filters. filters. Oh, yeah. I miss photos so much. Yeah. Well, you know, I just have to throw in this funny thing. Um, my friend posted a picture recently on Facebook of when we went to Myrtle Beach together and we got in one of those little things where you stick your head the through booth? Uh, oh, and take a picture. Yes. No. Yeah. 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 So the this cardboards. one looks like 
this one looked like you were in like you put your hands through and it looked like you were like in the little thing with your hands handcuffed mm -hmm. and your head like trapped in the board um so anyway so you know we posed and my friend got in there and stuck her head through and her hands through and took the picture and she shows it to her little niece who's like four years old five years old and her niece is like oh that's such a great filter you're using like it didn't oh, even occur to no. this kid that that was real life and that her aunt had actually put her head and hands through an actual object and someone took an actual picture wow. with a camera of her so anyway i just had to throw that in there just like, i just how do we even wrong. live in a world where a child even knows the word filter yeah <laughs> in relation well, to a photo you know my baby uh is three thousand miles away from all of her family mm -hmm. and so her main way of communicating with grandmas and big brothers and other family members is all on um facetime essentially we use the facebook version of video messaging mm. and which comes with filters that you can wow. put over your face as you're talking so yeah my baby's literally going to grow up thinking that you know it's totally normal for grandma to be talking to her and then to all of a sudden turn into you know like sparkly eyes and now so butterflies and one look, thing now that I have a crown is, on my head that's so weird to me <laughs> one thing that is kind of cool that I notice no one does um is that all these zooms that people are having with their families and their friends during this pandemic time someone needs to be recording them because mm -hmm. just think about when when your grandparents pass away and then eventually your parents or just like you miss people yeah and we are basically all creating home movies right now that we're just tossing away we're just yeah. throwing out the window and then and then someday we won't even have photos of any of these people that we love and care about but you know and we'll be like oh well we used to zoom and facetime all the time and it's like man that stuff that stuff is invaluable and we're just yeah pretending like it's no like it's nothing and it's not important at all and i'm like every single like my husband's family is constantly zooming and i'm like always telling him i'm like you really you guys should be recording some of this stuff because mm -hmm. it will matter to you someday you know yeah. having some of these things on on record well i'm really glad that there is recordings of us talking because i know years later if nothing else, at least the podcast will be something we can go back and be like, hey, look at this time. Until I run out talk. of space and have to delete it all. <laughs> don't do that. Just don't do that. <laughs> I mean, I think um, about that, though. I think about the fact that we have like we've known each other now for, you know, close to 40 years. And yeah. like for the first time ever, we actually have video of mm -hmm. us having conversations and that's crazy yeah. you know i mean i wish that i had video of like my family like my parents mm -hmm. having conversations with their friends that would yeah. be so cool you know well literally to my left is a bag which is so horrible but it's literally a bag of um all the vhs cassettes that my grandmother took when I was a kid Whoa. and I'm torn because I, I want, they need to be, they need to be put digital and I need mm -hmm. them like backed up multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm torn 
between sending them somewhere and having someone do it for me or buying the thing and doing it myself because my grandmother also kept a very detailed notebook. So I know what every video is I know and she put the numbers the tracking numbers so it's like wow. from zero 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 dash to zero one three four five that is the family reunion and here's a list of all the people that were in the family reunion video oh, and she did incredible. that for every single video so if I just send it off somewhere they're not going to catalog it like I could actually ensure that okay we're only going to make a a clip of this time and we're going to label it family reunion 1989 mm -hmm. and we're going to save that in a file and now okay we're gonna like I really want to take the time and do that and it's also make... scary because what if they what if they mess them up or what if they get lost in the mail or what yes. if it's terrifying I think we lost all of my family's videos oh my I gosh. only have one family video well, it's like I said, they're in a bag, which is just terrible all mm -hmm. on its own. I need to get them like in a plastic tote um, or take out like a safe deposit box and put them mm -hmm. in it or something. But well, and then if it's VHS, that doesn't last forever. No. So even right now, I don't even know how good a quality they're in. I took mm -hmm. them from my grandparents a couple of years before they passed because I said, look, I, I just... I felt like this was going to be the kind of thing that would either get thrown away or ruined or someone in the family would end up taking them. Uh, mm -hmm. And ultimately I become that person in the family that took them and then nobody ever knows what happened to them. But my nice. goal is that I will make movies for um, people in our family that are compilations of like home videos that they were in or would be special to them That's so that cool. my grandmother had taken. So. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. It brings me so much joy to think about. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I don't think it's even expensive. You just, I have a VHS player and you buy like a certain cord that USB connects it into the computer and I'm sure you download a program. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I had would just do that. Time. Do that yeah, immediately I have, I after that we get off up. this podcast. <laughs> so all this brings me to my big point that I wanted to make in this and a hope that I have for humanity, which is that social media is a trend that's going to run its course and then it's going to go away and something else will be in its place that will do whatever it is that we want social media to do right now but that i hope that whatever we're using at this point goes away and yes. and i really do hope that we can get back to something where we aren't concerned about every picture we're taking or like what everyone's doing all the time. Like yeah. it is okay to not know what everyone's doing all the time. I complete, like, I love being in touch with people. I really do. I love that I can have a thought and just send it to you or have mm -hmm. a question and just send it and have it answered right away. But you know what? I really miss talking on the phone. As much as I hate talking on the phone, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate it. There's so many times I'm like, can I call you and talk? And you, you're like, why? I just I'm like, like I mean, so hard. I hate talking oh on God. the phone because there has to be like a, a beginning, a middle and an end to the conversation. You can't just mm -hmm. say things, you know, yeah. but I remember being younger and, you know, my grandfather and my grandmother would call their families like every other Sunday or every Sunday mm -hmm. night, you know? And yeah. they would be on the phone for like hours going through everything that happened that week or, yeah. you know, the last two weeks because they hadn't been talking every five minutes. You know, mm -hmm. they actually had something to say to each other. 
And I desperately miss having things to say to people, you know, and not just, (laughs) I feel like now we're constantly, or we do things just so we can tell people about them rather than just living our lives, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, how many times is something you do? Maybe, maybe not you, but I know for me Mm -hmm. based on that, you need to make a, a post about it on social media to some extent, you know, like, um, like, okay, for example, I enjoy running. I've talked about this Mm -hmm. extensively. Do you know how many times I've stopped running multiple times in a run? Because I need to take this picture to show that I ran over this bridge. I need to show you all the sunset that I saw, you know, now I could have just enjoyed that sunset. I could have just run over that bridge and been happy about that. And maybe I would have called you at the end of the week and told you about it 20 years ago. But now I have to stop my run to take a picture because I have to show all of my running friends that Mm -hmm. I ran over this bridge at sunset and look at what a pretty sunset it was. Like what? (laughs) When I went to Ireland, um, I went on this tour um, and the, the tour guide was like, no, listen, you can take photos. Taking photos is great. It's good to like snap a shot and, you know, memorize the moment in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't experience this through the lens of a camera. Yeah. Be here, be here and I enjoy what you time. see. Be here now. Um, and so for the majority of that trip, I only took photos when it seemed absolutely necessary because something was just so insanely beautiful or amazing. But the rest of that trip, I, you know, when I went to Colorado the last time, I've tried to do that ever since because it really hit me that, yeah, much of my life in the time of social media um, has been spent like through a phone or through the lens of a phone. And it's mm-hmm. just like wow just be in the moment and yeah or really remember something as how is this going to look on your social media or what right. do you want what message do you want to send on your social media about this trip you know henceforth what kind of pictures are you going to take how are you going to see what you're doing because you want it to be portrayed a certain way on social media when I went to Ireland which is like 93 mm-hmm. I took disposable cameras only and one panorama disposable camera. That was a thing. There was a disposable panoramic yes. camera. So I have a whole. I love disposable cameras. I did too. But that way, if I lost them or, you know, something happened, then mm-hmm. I hadn't lost my real phone. And it was crazy because one of the rolls got double exposed. I guess I used the whole disposable camera, then didn't realize I'd used it, rewound it back. Mm -hmm. And so I have an entire roll of film that's double exposed pictures. Wow. Which some of them turned out really cool looking. Like some of them it ruined like the picture I was trying to take. And it's like, oh, that looks all messed up. But some of them it would look like this girl looks like she's sitting on top of this guy now. Like it was like all these weird, crazy, cool camera tricks that happened. But yeah, so fun things like that used to happen when you just took pictures and didn't know what they looked like until you got home and sent them in and waited a week for them to come back from the photo place. Yeah. And you know, that also reminds me of another thing. So there's something else I took from my grandparents' house speaking of photos you're like confessing all your sins right now (laughs) well nobody wanted them and what was going to happen they're going to get thrown away I took all of the slide projectors 
oh, my yes. grandparents' vacations when yeah. they were young. The sad thing is that their projector, the bulb had broken mm-hmm. or something that at this point in time getting fixed would just be ridiculous or impossible yeah. or so expensive that no one would do it. So I just took all of the, like on the little wheel, like with all the slides in it, I took all of those with me to Oregon, shipped them all from South Carolina. And then one day we were in this thrift store in like Nowheresville, Oregon, and someone had like a perfectly kept Kodak projector, slide projector. Wow. And the thing cost like a hundred dollars, but someone clearly took perfect care of this and we tested it. It still worked. So we bought it. Now all I need is the screen that you shine it on and I am going to be having some nostalgic grandparent vacation photo moments. It's going to be so amazing. And I found this one other thing. My grandmother recorded a tape, a cassette tape of her going through the trip to Ireland that they took and telling what every picture is. So if I can locate the tape, because I know I packed it, uh, and that slide protector, I could put it in and hear my grandmother tell me about all the pictures that I'm looking at of Ireland. Wow. That's like this hope I have one day. This is really a guidebook to anyone who wants to do their life well (laughs) for like their kids and their grandkids to remember things. It's like, Mm -hmm. try not to spend your entire life living through a lens. Mm -hmm. Um, Try to actually remember situations by experiencing them while you're there. But if you're going to take a photo, only take like the 12 photos or the 24 photos that are on film, you know, and then write down all of the information about them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know what, maybe zoom about them and record it. Yeah. Pack it away and then live the whole rest of your week without like texting or emailing anybody and then give them a call at the end of the week and then you can talk all about it. I think that's a great idea. Um, I also, since we're kind of going down this path about old media, when my grandparents died, my aunt found this old, like the nine millimeter reel to reel, like the original camera. Like like a camera, video or like camera? a video yeah, camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah like the, the video camera, like that you have to. Turn. Oh. Okay, of me when I was a baby. I have no way of looking at these, but they're what? in my drawer. And my aunt said I found these, and these are you as a baby, and I wanted you to have them, like little baby. I've never seen them. I didn't even know they existed. So now I need to find some. I feel I'm fairly sh- certain there is zero video of me as a baby. That's incredible. This is so awesome. So it's another thing I need to get transferred into. And that's something I'm going to have to probably have someone do, but I'm going to like take it to a place and be like, and I'm going to sit here and watch you. Um, I'm not leaving until uh, you hand me something back. Um, But yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And it really makes me long for those older style of preserving our memories. I Mm -hmm. love the real picture. I love the idea of putting things on slides and doing, my grandparents used to invite their friends over and sit them down and be like, we're going to look at pictures of our vacation on the slide projector. (laughs) My grandfather uh, worked for the forestry commission. And so Mm -hmm. he would have like hundreds of slides of just 
trees. That's so <laughs> and awesome. I remember going through like every single one to find a photo of a person. You know, I'd see <laughs> like someday there's going to be something other than this tree that doesn't make any sense to me, but he photographed for a reason, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so um, funny. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, the good old days, man. I love the good old days. And I, go I, back. I have to say my biggest complaint about the world we've created is this idea that if someone calls you because you have a cell phone or someone texts you or emails you even, they are expecting an immediate response mm -hmm. because they know you've got that cell phone with you. Yep. And my cell phone just broke. I didn't have a cell phone for like three weeks. And there were moments where it was very difficult. Not having the camera was actually the most difficult part, but I was so free. I was like, nobody can text me. Nobody can call me. No, no, no scam calls, no Ugh. sales calls, no warranty on your car expiring calls, so, no student loan calls, nothing. This week <laughs> in particular, I've been practicing letting texts sit. I love it. Um, and just not, like, especially on like Instagram, like messages mm -hmm. and stuff, because yeah. I can get into a conversation with someone and it I'm in this conversation all day. And then the whole day, it's like, what did you do? Well, I was having like five conversations. So I am very mindfully practicing just yeah. letting those texts sit there. I'm not even opening them. I'm not reading them. I'm just letting them sit because they'll still be there tomorrow. If it's really important, someone would just call me. Yeah. I really think it's important to train your friends and your social media connections that you're not always there at mm -hmm. whenever they want, you know, that you're not required to pick up the phone just because it rings. You're not required to text someone right back right. just because they texted, you know, Boundaries. so I, I don't like this idea that everyone is accessible at all times. And I'm certainly guilty of being like, I sent you a message. I can Me see too. that yep. you opened the message and you didn't respond. Yep. What is up with that? So I'm equally as guilty of it, but, um, but certainly I think there are people that I'm like, Oh well, yeah, that's just kind of how they are. And you can train your people to understand mm -hmm. that maybe you do open a message, but you aren't going to, I mean, maybe like a life and death matter. Okay. That's well, one thing, yeah. but just this casual conversation. And it's not that I don't want to speak to the people. It's more that I want to be in my day. You know, I want to be present in my present moment. And I understand that that's part of it. The, you know, contacting these people, it's just that like these constant distractions are why we don't ever get anything done. You know, like I need to be getting things done, not having, you know, knowing what everyone ate for breakfast or, you know, what, you know, Oh yeah, for sure. And not that I hate that. I don't mind that. It's just that, you know, we used to have people who were very present in our lives and they lived with us or we saw them every day. Mm -hmm. And then as the years grew, we've expanded that group to like 300 people. All of yeah. a sudden, 300 people are in our private spaces mm -hmm. all day, every day, all night. They have access yeah. to us and we have access to them. And I'm just not sure that that's the way it needs to be. Yeah. No, so I, I fully agree. agree with you. 
so yeah, like I said, I hope that this is a, a trend and that we tire of it and, and learn that this is not healthy for us at all. I really, the message I wanted to get across that I think is important by doing this podcast about social media was that what is happening on that screen is not real life. Right. You know, and, and, in, and in all different types of contexts, you know, for example, that friend you have whose life looks perfect on Facebook, I guarantee her life has probably got all kinds of problems. And she most likely is posting all that stuff about being perfect because she needs to portray mm-hmm. that in order to not feel like people see the real. That's not real life then. You know, yep. all this stuff that's happening, you know, on the computer is all something that is created and put in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think what kind of struck me in this past week as we're watching all this stuff about social media and can people be banned or censored is because it's not real life. You're filtering your life through devices. Right. And, and it's not a right to be able to use a social media platform. <laughs> No, like that's not something that we are all like we're not born into a place where we have the right to like use uh facebook or twitter and you know it's so silly it's so silly but you're absolutely right it's not real life at all it's not real and so when i see people talking about being censored or that this is a first amendment right i'm like no no facebook's a a private company that is publicly traded they their obligation is to stockholders not even to their users per se um but they have the right to make terms that you agree to when you (laughs) sign up for their account and they can make the terms anything and you wouldn't know because who reads those i actually because i'm a a legal nerd i do read the terms I want to know what I'm signing up for, but most of it's all the same legal mumbo well, jumbo and arbitration clause. And it's one of those things know. where we pick and choose what works for us in the same way that people have no problem, you know, wearing a shirt and pants and shoes and a seatbelt, but God forbid they wear a mask or be told to mm-hmm. wear a mask when they walk in a store during a global pandemic. You know, we pick and choose the rules that like we think that are important <laughs> to us and everybody else. Yeah. Um, which is very frustrating, but this is this is the society that we've created. Yeah, and I think that's part of the problem is that the so the internet world is something that is created mm-hmm. by the users. It's not um, this objective world that we live in, the real mm-hmm. world. You know, when we step away from the screen, it's something we've created. And, and it's very narrow. We can create a very narrow world for ourselves where we really believe that everybody agrees with us. Well, and not only that, but I think this is something that I wanted to touch on that I didn't. I have become, it's become so awkward to sit in a room with my actual friends, pandemic aside, because I'm so used to speaking to them through text Hmm. or in short little spurts. So when I actually have to be one-on-one with someone I know incredibly well, it feels awkward because I'm not just talking to them. Like I actually have to fill in voids or leave spaces or, you know, whatever. I'm not just spurting out little, you know, sentences or ideas or whatever. I actually have to hold a conversation Mm -hmm. and 
that's a skill. That's a skill that we learn growing up. And I'm really terrified that the kids that are growing up with all of the social media and with texting and TikToking and all of this are not going to learn the social skills that we learned as children because they don't have access to being around people in the same way. Because even in social media, even in real life social groups, people have their phones out all the time. I used to get together with these people and like everyone had their, we would be all together in a room, but everyone had their phones out in front of them. And it's just like, what is the point? So I just, I really worry about what's going to happen um, in a society where people don't even grow up learning how to have conversations with people. Yeah. I completely agree. I think it's a huge issue. And the pandemic's only worsened the Mm -hmm. situation because now we're forced to do everything on phones or on Zoom or online in some format. And I think a lot of those things aren't going to go back Mm -hmm. to the way they were even after this pandemic is officially over. So many things have been made so much easier by the Zoom meeting with my work and with the things that I do, like board of directors meetings used mm-hmm. to be a huge pain where I had to be somewhere out of my house in the evenings till maybe eight, nine o'clock at night. Now I can just sit in my living room, mm-hmm. you know, and if I need to go handle the baby, I can turn off my camera, mute my microphone and go do something with the baby and then jump back on. And nobody's sure. going to care or notice or be mad that I left the room. I would be very awkward feeling leaving an actual meeting and going and taking care of my baby. Right. I would not do that. You know, even leaving to go to the bathroom is like, you have to wait to make sure it's like not in the middle of something important. I know. I can't wait until this podcast is over so I can go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, So I don't know things are going to go back. It's tricky because there are things, I mean, there are so many good aspects of it, but then there's so many things that are just completely detrimental. And I just don't know who makes the decisions on that like as a society which ones of us you know are capable of like who decides what's actually good for society who decides how you know how much zoom is too much zoom how much texting Mm -hmm. is too much texting um when do we give up the video games and you know pull out the legos so and i want to make a plug here for board games yes i want you to all go home or to your living room, turn off your phone and your laptop and pull out a board game. If you don't have a board game, then go back on your computer and order one. Perfect time to mention (laughs) that I got a puzzle in the mail from you, which is like the greatest gift ever because I really love puzzles. I have no puzzles. I've talked about this on this podcast and I love Jackson Pollock as a Jackson Pollock puzzle. It is um, Heather, I read the <laughs> reviews on this puzzle and there are people who are like, this is the cruelest puzzle in the history of ever. Yeah. <laughs> it took me years to do this puzzle. <laughs> like, so awesome. um, I, I've started on it, but yes, even when you talk about board games, even something like a puzzle, because I had forgotten, you know, that like, you have to sit down and look at the shapes of things and how they, mm-hmm. you know, meld together and like, Ooh, that little thing has a downward loop. So I need to look for a hole that's like an upward loop. And you know, yeah. it's just all so of exciting. these, 
you know, like we were talking about earlier, problem solving things, skills that you learn as a, you know, as a young person. And I was really excited to see that I still have that. Yeah. I can still do a puzzle, even the cruelest puzzle in the history of ever. Well, it was the only Jackson Pollock puzzle in the world that I can find. So, um, and I think all just, I think that's the point of the Jackson Pollock Pollock is going to be a difficult puzzle, no matter what nature. Um, I am potentially going to buy myself a Salvador Dali puzzle. And see, if you could have just waited, that. I could have probably just, because that's, that's how I'm rolling now. I'm like, okay, well, because I never know what to buy you. I'm just like, wait until she says what she likes. And then wait a, wait a month. You just wait till I buy you something. And then you're <laughs> right. like, oh, I know she likes that. So I'll buy I her. know Heather likes that because she said she wishes she had one. Well, I yep. haven't ordered it yet. So if you're feeling great. Like, okay, good. Um, just now forget you ever there. said that. <laughs> <laughs> said what? Exactly. Um, but no, I've been really getting, that was part of the thing with the chest too, is like, I want to do something that demands you put down all the electronic devices and engage with another person in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I said 25, 30 years ago, when computers started to really take over at school and in our lives, that you know, I believed that it was a very great tool, but that it also was a great danger if it be, if it consumed our lives. And I think we're now at this point where it's consumed mm-hmm. our lives. It's consumed most people's lives. We carry computers in our pocket. We're looking at them at it's dinner when we're in rooms with friends. You know, it's it's everything. And people are so in this world where they believe that Facebook is the real world or it's so important that people should be given freedom of speech mm-hmm. on Facebook. That's crazy to me. It's not, that doesn't, I mean, if I think people need to go read what the first amendment actually says, because it doesn't mean that you can say anything you want anywhere mm-hmm. in any format. Right. It's, it's actually very narrowly defines where speech is free. And it's not on Facebook and it's not on Twitter and it's not anywhere on the internet. I promise you that. That is not where it's talking about. It's talking about that you cannot be persecuted for saying things bad about your government. That's about it. You know, which is a huge deal if you were like maybe living in China where Mm -hmm. you can be killed if you say something bad about your government, you know, and um, because, but people are so stuck on this idea that they have a right to to this speech whatever that is in in whatever format that they can say whatever they want um but i can tell you it's always been against the law to say something that could incite panic or violence in people and the classic example is you cannot go into a crowded theater and scream fire Mm -hmm. if there's no fire because people will panic they will run out People will get trampled. They will get hurt. They might, Mm -hmm. people might die. And that's only okay if there's a fire. You can't just scream fire and, 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 you know, ensue panic. Right. You know, legally even. So, so even that kind of speech is, is not protected. Anyway, that's my soapbox for this week, but I really do want people to think about the phone and the, and the laptop and the tablet as a tool. And it mm-hmm. has a place in your life and it does a job. And then you put it down and you go do something else in the real world with your real 
family and friends. And that reminds me of one thing I told you years ago, and I'll kind of end on this note. I remember you commented on the person you were dating, their Facebook post. Like, and you were having like a conversation, one that I would imagine would sort of be like a conversation you would have actually had with that person in real life. Mm. And I was like, Kelly, what are you doing? Like, just tell the per. like, that looks so weird to me when couples communicate on Facebook, like, no, no, just go tell your husband that. I feel like there was an actual reason that that was being done that way at that time. Um, It might have been, but (laughs) you wanted someone else to see it or something. Yeah, I imagine. Um, but yeah, I completely, I, I know exactly what you mean. And I completely Mm -hmm. agree. Like why? Well, it's just like, if you're sitting on the the couch with your partner and you're texting each other. Yeah. That's a problem. Just that's a time to check yourself. Just stop. And just, just think about, (laughs) just think about what's going on. No judgment, you know, just think about what's going on. Think about if that's really how you want the rest of your life to play out and then you know that's act only accordingly. if there's a third person in the room who you are who cannot hear gossip- what you're saying who you're <laughs> gossiping about right and then okay but that's a whole different moral issue that we can address at a different time mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm always really worried when I see married couples or dating couples doing all this communication on Facebook who I know live in the same house and aren't like currently on the other ends of the country for work Mm -hmm. or something. I'm like, either they're trying to make a point like you were to somebody else that's seeing it, or they've really lost that ability to communicate Mm -hmm. or they feel like it's more real. I don't know, whatever it is, it scares me. And I I just don't want that to be a thing. Yeah. So I'm with you. That's, that's all I have to say. We're on the same page. So, so on that realist, note, I want, I want you to go be real. Go and be that's real. Podcast is call. Tell me something real. Cause we're all about things being real and the internet's not real podcasts. Those are also little universes, mm-hmm. you know, that we create it's for true. you. Um, I hope that our little universe is like, and I think people get this. It's like a real friendship mm-hmm. between two people. And then you get sort of like, you know, an inside view into what our friendship is like. And so that's, you know, the world that we create, yes. I think, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of our podcast, nothing else is real and you should just stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't have real in the title, it can't be trusted. <laughs> I'll buy that t-shirt. Perfect. I'm making it right now. What did Great. I say? <laughs> You'll have to remind me so I can make it into a t-shirt. All right. Well, Let's wrap this up for this week and let you all get back to your social media. Everyone stay safe. Yes. Wear a mask. Be kind to each other. Um, Subscribe and like our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. On all of those non-real places. Yes. (laughs) And go check check out our YouTube page. Tell me something real podcast on YouTube where you get to actually see what we look like when we're talking, which can be a good or bad thing. I don't know. It can go either way. All right. Well, Kelly, have a great week. You too. And keep it real.